me out of this. Um, so open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. We're going to be cruising through 15 through 24. We're looking at the parable of the great banquet. Now Jesus happens to be at a banquet as he uses the parable of the banquet. What better situation to use it than he's got this illustrated sermon. They're all sitting around. They're all participating in this illustration. They're eating. He just kind of given them a little bit of a rebuke he actually had the he's at a pharisee's house that they had kind of brought him under there under some pretenses and some trickery it's on the sabbath and there was a, a man with a that needed some healing and they were going to see if jesus was actually going to violate the sabbath and bring wholeness to this man and there were some some things going on and jesus because the 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 pharisees at that time they they always only wanted to accept the a-list people only wanted to bring in the the top notch folks to their banquets, and Jesus kind of kind of pokes at them and gets on to them for for uh, not inviting the those that can't turn around and invite them back to their banquet, and also for kind of fighting over who's going to have the best seats. And he's been going through here, just kind of poking. And man, things get really tense, and it's just you can just feel the tension in the room. I mean, here's this young radical rabbi. Who, and he's here in these Pharisees' home, and man, it's making all of these people feel really uncomfortable. I mean, he doesn't have an amen corner sitting there with him real strong. He's, man, it is just, it's tense. And all of a sudden, one guy pipes up there in, uh, in verse 15. It says, and then one of those at the table with him heard this, heard what he had been saying heard the the things and, and felt the tension that was going on and then popped up and said just one of the standard churchy catchphrases just kind of turn the situation around break the ice just kind of do it and said blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of god this was a very common saying at that point it was something everyone every one of the the jews agreed upon it wasn't considered divisive this guy's kind of trying to turn all of this in the situation have you ever been in one of those situations where you could just hear the crickets and you could feel the tension Ooh. this guy boom blurts out and decides he's going to provide this little breather deal and jesus takes that opportunity then to begin to give this parable and he said a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests now there were two invitations first they would go and and send out the the the, the herald guy his servant and he would go and invite the people that they wanted to invite and then they would respond and accept the invitation at that point yes i can be there or no i'm going to be away at one of my other farms or one of my other things no i'm not going to be able to accept so then your who was going to become who was going to come was set and then at that point based on how many was going to show up they knew how many animals they were going to have to slaughter they were able to make adequate preparations and all of that the the day is set the time is not given in that that middle eastern culture it's just the day we're going to have a banquet on this day didn't have the o'clock attached to it and so then the people would accept so that they initially he goes out and invites it says and then at the time of the banquet when the o'clock when when everything was prepared got done he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited come for everything 
is now ready. Sends them on round two. Go and knock on the doors. Hey, hey, go ahead and come on. Everything's ready. Everything's been prepared for you. And at this, at this point is when things begin to shift. And even today in Middle Eastern culture, this is the way things are, are done with the, the more affluent people. And in the more nomadic uh, tribes, the, the tribes that are more uh, sequestered from Western civilization, if they do this and you beg off on the second one, they consider that a declaration of war. That you accepted their invitation to the deal, they prepared for you, and then you said, no, I don't want it. That at some point in there, you got mad enough, you wouldn't even eat with them. And that is a huge insult and considered a declaration of war. This is a big-time thing. And that's why everybody immediately rolls in with excuses. Nobody rolls in and just says, ah, no, forget it. I'm just not coming. Don't feel like it today. No, everybody immediately comes in with excuses. So we're here in verse 18. It says, but they all alike began to make excuses the first said i've just bought a field and must go and see it please excuse me another said i've just bought five yoke of oxen and i'm on my way to try them out please excuse me still another said i just got married another version says i've got a wife so i can't come <laughs> so and there are some guys who might say I understand that one, buddy. No, <laughs> the spouse was very much invited. And uh, these were all ultimately lame, weak, weightless excuses. As the servant came back and reported this to his master, then the owner of the house became angry. This was a normal response. He just laid out all of this, and one after another after another, he gets, he gets put off. We're not coming. He's got a banquet. He's just slaughtered his best animals. He's had his servants working all the time, not out in the fields making him money, but cleaning up his house and setting everything together, preparing everything. It's a huge expense. That whole household has been doing nothing but focusing on providing this for those that are invited. It's been the entire focus of that master's household. And then now, no, we don't want anything to do with it. He was angry. It was a regular, normal, justifiable response. And he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. As he is bringing these in, these are the, the, the first guest said no. And then you begin to look at the poor and the crippled and the lame and the, blame, and the, and the lame. Not the blamed. We're, the blamed are next. The blamed is the next crew that gets invited. This is just the lame. And... Uh, Anyways, and so, but these are the group that could maybe fall under those that you would kind of feel sorry for. You know, a lot of times when we think of initially as church want to, to do outreach and we, we want to reach out to those, it's immediately those that are maybe have some sort of physical disadvantage or monetary disadvantage or, or something like that. They're, they're way off away and there's a famine and all this kind of stuff and our hearts can easily go out 
to that group of people. This group of people that's invited next are those that have kind of been shunned, but almost almost no fault of their own. They're, they're, they've just been on hard times, and heart just kind of goes out to them real easily. And uh, so he goes and he invites. And he says, Sir, the, <clears throat> the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. Out here in the byways and highways, out here in the roads and the country lanes, these are the, these are the outlaws. These are the folks that they're not the, the blind and the broke and the, those, they're not the, the local landowners. They're not the ones who are, who are there that are considered always invited to everything. These are the outlaws. These are the prostitutes. These are the people that maybe could have a different life if they would have applied themselves. These are some people that, honestly, people find it a little bit harder to have compassion on. Because you go, you know what, bud? If you'd have just tried a little bit, your life would be different. If you, you just see reasons why. Sometimes it's easier to feel sorry for somebody or have compassion on somebody when you can understand their situation. But when somebody's in a situation and you're just scratching your head, it's hard to have compassion sometimes. And the master says, go out and get these rascals. Go out and get these people who are, who are the outlaws, who are those who are just who are away from society and bring them in so that his place will be full. And then verse 24 says, I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Well, as we roll, as we roll through, this, <clears throat> through this parable, <clears throat> we first see that God has made us an invitation to be with him. That's what this whole parable is about. It's about invitation after invitation after invitation. We see four distinct invitations. We see the first where the, the group was given a heads up. Hey, something's going to be happening. Something's going to be taking place. There's going to be a gathering and you're going to want to be at it. You know what? There's no telling how much this group of people had talked with each other. You going to be there? What are you going to wear? I don't know. And you know, what's the, you know, just all of the chat and the talk all leading up. They had anticipated it. But for some reason, when the day came up, they missed it. At this point, Jesus is very much talking about the Jews of the day. I am so thankful that there were the Israelites who were looking for a Messiah. You know what? Jesus, if Jesus had shown up on the scene and died for us, done everything he did, and there wasn't a group of people looking for a Messiah, looking for a king, we'd have all missed him. Even though they missed just the fact that they were looking spurred us on to be able to in hindsight recognize that there was this mass of people who had been invited and were looking you know I guarantee when this group shows up when they go out to the poor and the, and the blind and they go out to the outlaws it's not the what banquet I never heard of a banquet it had been, it had been the, the talk of the deal that's why you go out go quickly just go get them they ought to be sitting there ready to jump in on this. He makes an invitation for them, gives them the heads up, then lets them know it's ready. 
then when that's rejected then you have those that are fallen to the easily compassion people and then the more hard to have compassion people this invitation includes all of us from the a list to the totally ignored list it includes all of us when we look here at acts chapter 2 verse 39 it says this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the lord our god will call isaiah 25 6 says on this mountain the lord almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples a banquet of aged wine the best of meats and the finest of wines deuteronomy 30 19 says this day i call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that i have set before you life and death blessing and cursing now choose life so that your children may live god has made an invitation to us and then in revelations 320 it says here i am i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with him and he with me god has invited all of us in not not one been left out <clears throat> man i uh my my kids there of course we've got the the our uh, 14 year old down to a six year old and they go to birthday parties I mean, all of my 14-year-old will be at a 5-year-old birthday party. You know, they probably be a lot of times the only 14-year-old at that 5-year-old birthday party. But he is there. And sometime, mo almost all the time, it's because all of us are invited. But my kids, when they hear about one of their friends having a birthday, they automatically assume we're all invited. This is an all-inclusive deal. Well, you're going to the birthday party. What time is it? I need to get ready. Well, there have been a few parties that were select maybe going to the movies maybe the expense factor in that party that that parent was throwing was was a little on the high side per kid and only one kid gets to go that kid's buddy of that kid's clark buddy the one they were closest to and the other kids you know get don't get to go and so they're sitting there and it's just like a what kind of deal not that they feel slighted it's just i'm not invited I'm invited everywhere. They have this mentality that they are that they're included, that they're invited just because that's the norm over and over again. Carson will be there with a bunch of with a bunch of older kids and Keenan will be with a bunch of younger kids and the other ones all the age ranges and it's just normal. I'm just included. Man, God wants us to understand that. That was one of the things when we looked at the parable with the prodigal son, the son that stayed home whining about the fact that you didn't even give me a goat to have a barbecue with and he said uh cool um do we need to pray for you okay um uh we uh anyways he was whining about the goat and uh and the father turns to him and lets him know everything i have is yours it's a complete open invitation everything that i have is yours man what's one of the things we it's hardest for us to get across to people to get them to accept what christ has given because they think god hasn't accepted them 
to communicate that yeah everyone's included and they got to act like they're a clark kid man there's a party i'm there i'm included i'm going we've got to be that way the excuses are what separated those in attendance from those not there that was the only thing everybody was included everybody was invited the only thing that separated somebody from being there and not being there is that person's excuses and so and it's amazing how excuses they get in and and they can infiltrate all pieces and all areas of our lives man people come up with all sorts of excuses about why they're not in church you're obviously not one of those you're in church but as we're going forward we're really battling that because when we launch when we launch in september you know the bulk of the people who aren't in church on sunday aren't in church on purpose they know the church exists they know it's out there most of them aren't in church on purpose and there's all sorts of a list of excuses with somebody i ran across this on the internet i wish i could say i was witty enough to done this myself but i did not and it's totally robbed but it was funny and it so communicates um how lame these excuses are so if you take out church attendance the reason i don't go to church is this and you put in the idea of washing like taking a bath and then it's, it's so these are the reasons so we're going to go our our reasons why i never wash and we've just taken out why i don't go to church and put the word wash in okay first one is i was forced to wash as a child scarred me it made me wash i hate it I'm never washing again <clears throat> second one is uh people who wash are hypocrites they think they're cleaner than others i knew a person that washed and they stunk the next day what a bunch of hypocrites The uh, third one is there are so many kinds of soap, I could never decide which was right. How do you decide which denomination is right? Who's teaching the right guys? There's so many, I'm just not going to go to any of them. It's just silly, 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 silly. I used to wash, but it got boring. I wash only on Christmas or Easter. None of my friends wash. I'll start washing when I'm older. I really don't have time to wash. And the bathroom, it isn't warm enough to wash. And this is the number one. People who make soap are only in it for your money. Which is true, true of the soap people. Hopefully it's not true of all churches. But you know, excuses, they just show up all over the place. And really when it gets, when you dig into it, all of the excuses are lame. This is the story about a banquet, a supper banquet. Supper was the feasting meal of the day. It was done at the end of the day when the, when the labor of the day was done. When it was time to rest, most of this stuff happened in, you wouldn't start eating until it was dark because you used every bit of sunlight to get done your outside stuff. 
and then you would come in and then you would banquet at night so here we've got these guys and the first guy says you know I just bought a field and I'm gonna go check it out okay well first off why are you buying a field without looking at it that's not real intelligent and then it's night you gonna go inspect it by you gonna inspect it by the moonlight you know this field you own it it's not going anywhere it's gonna look just the same tomorrow as it is going to even if you were able to have some super high-powered lantern and be able to check out your field it's gonna look the same it's just a weak weak excuse then we got the guy uh, <clears throat> anyways but as we look at these excuses I'm getting ahead of myself um, these guests who rejected still use some of the excuses that are common today these are fairly common excuses this first guy wanted to go check out his field says we uh, make excuses because we put our possessions before God his stuff I gotta take care of my stuff so I recently was uh, told about a um, a pastor I don't remember who told me the story but this had been working on this guy about coming to church and that well Sunday morning is the day I do my lawn and the this pastor sh showed up on Saturday morning with a lawnmower going and the pastor cut the guy's grass on Saturday so that Sunday this excuse that he gave him over and over and over again was gone no, I've got to take care of my position. You know, my house is just going to go to ruin. I've got to, I've got to do this on Saturday. My stuff is getting in the way, and and a lot of times that becomes an excuse. Then we make another excuse to make is that making a living, putting making a living before God, just our job. Now, man, I everybody's got to work, and I do not. We're not on church attendance here anymore. Okay, please don't. That was just an example of excuses this is about about embracing what God is doing in your life I understand with different people's work cycles and all that kind of stuff that sometimes you've got you can't be there on Sundays and you can't be there are just certain jobs that you just you just rotates and there's there's nothing you can do about that so that's not what we're talking about we're talking about when all of a sudden making a living and making a buck comes between you and God this guy wants to go out and he wants to test his new oxen He's got five yoke of oxen. Man, five yoke of oxen, man, that, that's going to do some plowing. You're not running five teams of oxen by yourself. He's got a lot of employees. He's got a lot of this stuff. This guy is expanding his business, and there's nothing wrong with expanding your business. Nothing wrong with it at all. Unless it comes between you and your relationship with God, between you and embracing the invitation that God gives you the next thing we look at is that uh, we make excuses because we put others before God this guy uses the the excuse of his wife the newlywed well honestly he he, he probably would have got better cooking at the banquet <laughs> I'm just kidding no I'm not No. And so the uh as he is uh using this excuse so many times. I know that was one of my personal ones whenever I God was really moving in my life and it was my relationships, it was my friends 
that were my excuse to be, to really come to God. But God, what you know, get these guys to go after you too, and I'll go. You know, man, I just love that. I don't want to be separated from my group of friends. I don't want to do that. And it becomes an excuse. And finally, when God really shifted in my life is when I took my big excuse and smashed it and said, it's not, that's not going to be my excuse anymore. God is constantly making invitations to us. And the only thing that separates us is the excuses we make in our minds. Even with this, with this guy with a... Um, with the marriage, with the marriage. Now, in the first year, and I, and I, this is actually, a, I think, is a is a good thing. Their culture was a little different because they didn't have the courtship. A lot of times, they met at the altar, and so. But the according to Deuteronomy twenty four five, it says, if a man has recently married, he must <clears throat> not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness. To the wife he has married for a year, you know, and so he's got to sit there and l- learn how to bring happiness to his wife. And you know, if guys were quicker learners, it wouldn't take a year. <laughs> but we don't learn that quick, and so <laughs> we're a little dense. It takes us a little while to figure out what actually makes our wives happy. And usually they've spelled it out. Usually they've told us. And it still doesn't get through. (laughs) There you go. What are you doing here? So he did. He had the it was a a a legitimate reason to be able to to be able to beg off of other things. But this was just spending time reclining at a banquet. It doesn't fit in this thing. He wasn't able to pull out Deuteronomy 24, 5 and said, no, I've got to simply bring happiness to my wife. This wasn't a duty. This was an invitation into a deeper relationship to spend time here at this banquet. We have to make sure that we don't hide behind others. You know, I have such admiration for <clears throat> for people who will get their families to go to church when it's just one one spouse and the other spouse isn't quite willing to go. They've not let that other person be an excuse why they're not going to pursue God. And so I just have such great admiration for that, somebody being willing to, willing to do that. I also want us to notice that not one of the, <clears throat> of the things of the invitation... Let me read it. Notice that no one rejected the invitation for something that was considered wrong. You know, nobody said, excuse me, uh, I'm not coming. I'm going to mainline some heroin tonight. You know, please let me out of this deal. I'm going to go, we're knocking over a bank. (sighs) Can't make it. No, all of these were good, solid, legitimate things. These were good things to be done to go and inspect your land yeah that's important to to run your business and be diligent to test out your stuff absolutely to to consider your new wife absolutely all those things are good they just can't come between us and god and god's invitations to us as he is carrying us forward they cannot come in there and penetrate that holy place even wonderful good things can become destructive if they get placed in there between us and God. 
I love the story of uh, <clears throat> Susanna Wesley, who was John Wesley's, John and Charles Wesley's mother. She was a mother of 19. And if anybody had a reason to be able to say they did not have a place to get away to and time to pray, then it was this woman. With 19 kids in the house, she didn't have a square foot that she could call her own and didn't have any time. And it's kind of a funny deal, but she <laughs> she created her own prayer closet, and she would get up in the mornings and get things breakfast and get things going, and then she would take her apron and throw it over her head. And she would just hide inside her apron, and she would spend an hour praying over her kids, praying over things, and all the kids knew, Mama's got that apron over her head, you leave her alone. And because you can only imagine what that face looked like, she comes out from under that apron, and you know, I'm sure it happened a time or two. Woo! And uh, but she would. She found a way. And as silly as that seems, so somebody had some lady having an apron, you know, wrapped up over her head and inside there praying, it was vitally important that she spend time with God and she did what she had to do to do it. We have the luxury of having extra rooms or even extra closets or just be able to walk around and take a walk around the neighborhood and be able to have time to, to steal away and spend time with God. <clears throat> if Miss Wesley can go to those extremes if she's got to put a piece of cloth over her head to just block everything out and take some time to focus on God, I think we can take some time to have a few minutes and spend time with God. I really hope that as we're going through and reading together if it, <clears throat> that, and then sharing together on the blog and kind of looking at these things, I hope you all are still looking at the blog and, and pulling that up and seeing some of those things, that it is inducing you to go to a deeper place with God to say yes to Him. See, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says, The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. That's all an excuse is. And an excuse is an argument that you lost. That ultimately the spirit man, an excuse you give to God, is an argument your spirit man lost to your soulish, selfish nature. And see, in our weapons are mighty in God. We are there to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And sometimes we just got to grab our own thoughts and harness those things and push them in the direction they need to go. And say, uh-uh. This is the direction. This is what I'm thinking. All these excuses, all this stuff whirling around, and we make decisions. We are going to go forward with God. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. When it's all said and done, as we stand before God, righteous, wonderful God, those that have accepted Him, those that haven't accepted Him, there will be no excuses. None. We don't have 
an excuse. As we look at this parable, this the with our parabolic series, understanding that it, the, each one of these has a central focus, just like a parabolic curve. This one's central focus is do not reject God's invitation. What has God been inviting you into? We see there in John chapter 1 that he just invited some people to come and go and see his house. See where he lived. That's where he started. Just check out where I live. Then the next thing we know, all of a sudden, he's inviting them to be his disciples and follow him. We see that he invited Zacchaeus down out of a tree and then invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus, you come down and I'm going to go over to your house. And we're going to, he invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus could have made all sorts of excuses. Oh, the laundry. <laughs> oh, the laundry's a mess. You have no idea what my kids have done to that house. <laughs> uh, let me remodel. We're going to remodel a little bit and then we'll have you. He had a, a chance to do all sorts of excuses. But Jesus was inviting himself into Zacchaeus' life. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In John chapter 6, he makes the promise that whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. God is making invitations to us all the time. He invites us to a place of prayer. He invites us to a place of sharing Him with others. He invites us to a place of ministry. That's how we, He moves us forward. It's one little invitation after another. We don't have to map out our own growth in Him. We don't have to figure out where it's all going to end up. We just have to say yes every time He invites us forward. Every time He says, take this little move. Trust me in this spot. I invite you to step out in this. I invite you to let go of that. And we can either accept the invitation or reach in our back pocket and find an excuse. We all have plenty of them. Keep them close in hand. But the only place, we're, the only way we move forward with him is simply saying yes as he invites us. We've already covered the fact that Jesus has told us that uh, he stands at the door and knocks. He wants to be part of each of our lives. That's individual. It's anyone who answers. Anyone. It's to each of us. I quick, I just appreciate if everybody would just bow your heads and close your